0: good morning, I'm starting off right now with, I'm calling out Jonathan Ridgewell. Every time I get to the name Habakkuk, I'm going to pause, thanks to him. Uh, I've been working with him for 10 years and he's convinced me it's Habakkuk. And so every time I get to it, I just, I freeze on what I'm supposed to say. So when I do that, it's, just blame him. uh, it is exciting to be here and to, to share, it's funny, I was in Sunday school and, and I came early and put this thing on uh, just so I'd have it on. I'm sitting in Sunday school and I said, all right, so we'll, you know, let's, let's close, we're finished with Titus, let's go next door. Uh, I got to preach and say you're preaching? And I'm like, um, I've never worn this to Sunday school before, you know, and, and it's funny, they've all kind of skipped out of being in here now. They're working in kids worship or they're elsewhere, but they already had my teaching for today. Uh, But we are going to be continuing in Habakkuk uh, chapter 2. So in your pew Bible, if you would, uh, you can turn to page 785. And just a reminder for all of you, if you do not have a Bible, feel free to take that pew Bible. That is our gift to you. Uh, We want to make sure that everyone has the Word of God in their hand. And so these are available for you if you do not have one. Uh, So we want you to take that with you. We're going through the, the book of Habakkuk this fall. We've covered chapter 1, and we're continuing into chapter 2 this morning. Uh, and I want to I just jump right into the text, because I am I'm excited about today's passage and its application uh, for us here this morning. So I'm going to read chapter 2, verses 2 uh, through 5. I'll follow along. And the Lord answered me, write the vision. An arrogant man who is never at rest, his greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. So I want to walk through there. It's just a—it's a short passage. I want to walk through each of those verses one at a time. Now, last week, Pastor Aaron finished with verse one, and we left with Habakkuk standing at his watchpost, waiting. He's on the watchtower. He goes, I will wait. And uh, Pastor Aaron said that he is digging deeper and waiting for God's answer to his second uh, complaint that he shared before him. So we're going to look at that and see how the Lord answers. So verse 2, and the Lord answered me, being uh, Habakkuk, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. Now, this is not the tablet that we all have. You know, many of you are on a tablet right now. That's electronics way back then. He wouldn't walk around with an iPad or uh, an Amazon Fire or a Samsung Galaxy. What they were talking about back then was either pieces of stone or pieces of wood. And they would have carved uh, or written the message in them. And this one was to be written, and it says, make it plain. So, if you can imagine, whatever these and we don't have the vision and we don't have lords and this is the vision i want you to write we get the results of the vision we we hear parts of it uh but we don't know what he told them to write but he says i want you to make it plain you know it's the very first um keep it simple as you're running i want you to be able to share with people And there's two different ways this can be translated either as he's running and sharing or it can be translated that as he's running People can read it as he's running by, you know, almost like, or be like a running billboard. So that as you're running, everyone can read this. And both translations still fit. Make the text simple. We want people to see this, to understand it, and know what to do uh, as a result of it. So it was to be carried by a messenger and then read to those whom it had been sent to. God's telling him, take some notes here. I want you to write this down. This is important about what God is going to be telling him. Again, we don't know that prophecy, but it was to be told to everyone. Uh, God did not want anyone confused about what he was about to say. You know, a lot of times we as believers, uh, as Christians, we make the message difficult. If we're sharing what the gospel is, we, feel we make it more uh, difficult to understand that it is. And I think God is saying to us, keep it simple. We want anyone that hears this message to understand it. So keep it simple. You don't have to go through all the doctrinal statements and explain everything. A lot of times when, when I'm working with teens and talking about their testimony, the number one question they're concerned is about, But what if they ask me a question I can't answer? It's like, then you say the three hardest words for a Christian, I don't know. But we as Christians, oh, I'm not gonna share because I have to be able to answer every possible question you're gonna give me. What I believe God is telling us to do is is for me to tell you what my salvation means to me. What happened 2,000 years ago on that cross how I've been changed by it. I don't need to go into, all, again, all the doctrine, the eschatological issues, whether I'm a mill or pre-mill or post-mill, any of those things. God is just saying, tell them the gospel and keep it simple. He's telling even him back then, just keep it simple so that anyone that hears it can understand it and not be confused. Let's move on. Verse 3. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So the revelation is coming in its own time. God's timing, not ours. The end of which it speaks here can be partially seen when Babylon is defeated in 539 B.C., which is 66 years later. But also, I believe it's a foreshadowing when evil is truly defeated by Christ on the cross. The answer is coming. It will not delay. It's, again, it's God's timing. Uh, and then wait for it. I love those three words. Just wait for it. Uh, it's a very current phrase. Um, obviously not if it was back... When it was written then, but it's getting it, to me, it feels like it's getting overused. So just a little background on it. Barney on how I met your mother really is the one who popularized the phrase. Also, if you are into Hamilton, anyone? It is probably the showstopper of the first act in Hamilton. It's a song called Wait for It. It's a popular meme. It's a Snapchat geofilter. It's all over the place. Wait for it is an expression used to build up suspense in anticipation of an impending spectacle or climactic event. I kind of started thinking about this. I like having, I, I have fun with the Bible. I kind of think through, all right, what if God had like Snapchat? And here he is with Adam. You know, takes a picture of Adam. He goes, wait for it. There's Eve. You know, I got something better for you. Moses, as they're standing in front of the Red Sea, there's the, wait for it. Now it's parted. I, there's so many times where God has us, uh, has people in the Bible, wait for it. I'm going to do something. This is going to be good. You're going to like it. And that's what I think he's, he's saying. It, well, I know he's saying it to uh, Habakkuk, But he's also saying it to us today. Wait for it. If you can imagine, so Christ, again, there's some times even when Christ, you know, when he's dead and buried, is there a three-minute or a three-day delay on that? Wait for it. And then he appears again. He's standing and he, before his disciples and he begins ascending. And he goes, wait for it that wait for it is still going, right? When we will be reunited with him. So we're talking thousands of years now, and we're in that. We're still waiting for it. But if we look at the scripture, there are enough uh, evidence of it that God will answer it in his timing, and we need to wait and to trust. It's interesting, because as I was reading through this, so it says at the end of verse three, wait for it, It will not delay. So why wait for something that will not delay? Does this seem a little strange to you? It won't, you know, wait for it. It will not delay. Again, we're looking at it from our perspective, with our eyes, what we think all of this uh, time really means. Remember that God is outside of time and space right, the very first two things He created were time and space. And it was really for us, not for Him, because he's, He is uh, eternal, He's infinite, He's existed before everything and after everything. So, He created this. It's just it's hard to get your mind around. He created this for us to experience Him, to love Him, and bring glory to Him. And yet, in it, we're trying to make Him fit into our Thought and definition of time and space. Kind of hard to grasp all that, right? I think what it's also saying here is it's the certainty that the will not delay. Is there a certainty of God's promise? Not the immediacy, not how soon it's going to happen, but it will happen. Uh, What may seem like a lifetime to us is not long from God's perspective. And, you know, the scriptures that are meant, you know, to God, a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. And a lot of times we kind of, we look at that and it still doesn't make sense to us. But we have to trust in God. And I'm going to get to that a little bit further. We need to trust in this time of waiting. To believe that God will act even when circumstances look like he's forgotten. Uh, is exercising our faith is all about that that's what that's about but you know delay is not always bad 2007 MEP trip down to Bolivia some of you remember that very well we we got down to Miami and we're supposed to just change planes well hours and hours and all of a sudden you know I'm kind of checking the list and I'm like it's a two-hour delay Wait, our gate got changed. We have to run over to, like, Terminal A. We were in Terminal C, so we run over there. And that was another hour delay or hours delay. And just, it, anyone ever experienced delays at the airport? Um, you know how um, edifying that can be for you. It, it's, you just don't understand it. And you're like, why can't these people, all the money that we're paying, why can't this be taken care of? So it's a several-hour delay. I got a great group of teens that are just close to losing it. or oh, They'd already lost it. Um, change gate. Eventually, they changed the airplane back at the original gate. <laughs> Found out that they changed it due to a mechanical issue with the door not closing properly. I suddenly was okay with the delay. <laughs> and I think that's what we need to understand here that delays aren't always bad there's a reason for some of these delays it can be for something that that is happening outside of what we can even understand or something i think more most of the time something that needs to take place in us in our heart our mind our spirit that god's like you're not ready yet you need to i need to do a little more work in you before i can you know move to that next point uh, and then next what i'm going to do in your life uh, verse 4, behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. So his soul here is referring to the Chaldeans or, or the Babylonians and specifically their king. He's calling them out. He says his soul is puffed up, which is speaking to his pride and his arrogance. He's kind of going, I, I can do anything I want. I can just walk in. I can take I, I am the man i can just it's all about me now nothing was as great as he or his kingdom pride is a sin that is universal we all know how it's affected us because we see how it's affected others and then we realize oh that couldn't happen to me i'm not like that okay there's the pride again um Everything becomes about us. Proverb that says, but pride goes before the fall. We know that proverb, and we've probably seen an experience where somebody built themselves so high up, and you you knew it was coming, it was just a matter of time, you're waiting for it to happen. And it does. Um, When we're focused on ourselves and how great we are, and then what happens is we become less moral, because, well, it is all about me, so I can do what I want less ethical again same thing it's about me Um, we become less righteous it's about me i don't really need god because i really i know what's best for me it's about me i become my own god and so that's what he's saying here his soul is puffed up it is not upright within him he is not this uh he's talking about the king but i think he's talking about also people that are like him there is nothing righteous in them. And then he answers with the verse that we are all very familiar with. But the righteous shall live by his faith. So God is setting out two universal sides here. The proud are on one side. Their deeds are not upright. and On the other side are the just. Those who live by faith. So he's laying that before Habakkuk, but he's also laying it before us. Which side are you on? Are you about yourself, or are you going to be the righteous and follow me? Because that's where true living comes from. Again, the righteous shall live by his faith. There is no single text in the Old Testament that plays a larger role in the doctrinal discussion of the New Testament than this little sentence. And we've heard it throughout the Scriptures, but it's also one that kind of we, we talk about more. Those words, well, this is where it came from when God spoke it in these days. It was one of the foundation, uh, foundational stones on which Luther built his doctrines in the Reformation and changed the course of human history. Righteous will live by faith. Now, when we were down in uh, uh, Santa Domingo, we were at a church uh, this past summer on the MEP, uh, gorgeous church, and they are going through the 95 theses, all right, you you go into their website and the pastor shares whatever, he's just going through them, you know, when we were down there, it was 60-something, I think, just kind of going through them and explaining what they mean. Uh, And they had nice, really, you know, shirts, you could, t-shirts you could buy, and I remember Angela was with us, she bought one of them, it's just sola scriptura, sola deo, sola fide, which means by scripture alone, Uh, I'm sorry, by faith alone. The righteous will live by this faith. Uh, It's the rallying cry of the Protestant Reformation. Next week is Reformation Sunday, which marks 500 years since Martin Luther posted his 95 theses. And by the way, our blog, I think it was Thursday, uh, Andy Steen wrote a great blog based on the Reformation. And I believe this week, Pastor Aaron is going to be writing something. It's uh, and it's based on this scripture. Now, um, Martin Luther read it in Romans because again, Paul quoted it several times. Um, the writer of Hebrews wrote it a couple of, uh, wrote it as well. Uh, as a matter of fact, in I think it's Romans 1:17, this is where Paul writes. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Galatians 3.11. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. The writer of Hebrews puts it in Hebrews 10.38. And my righteous ones will live by faith but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. So this Old Testament uh, statement here, this prophecy anticipates the New Testament gospel, which will ultimately conquer the nations and bring them to Christ. This is the core of God's message to uh, and through uh, Habakkuk, both the aspect of justification by faith, as noted by Paul's usage, and also the sanctification of faith, that it's something that continues. We will continue living Uh, the righteous will continue living by their faith. Let's move on, verse 5. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. God is referring back again to the Chaldeans and their king, and his statement here, wine is a traitor. One of the spoils of war is whatever kingdom you go in, you just collect whatever they have stored. Wine was one of those things, that they would come in and, and taken all uh, the wine or, and other goods that would have been stored as their own. One of the spoils uh, of war there. And with it, a, a, again, the arrogance comes back in. He's never at rest. Look, I can go into this nation. I can take all this. I can go into this nation. I can take all of this. Uh, he, he was never satisfied. And he compares them here. It says, like death, uh, he ha- uh, as, his greed is as wide as shale. His, like death, he never has enough. One translation says, the grave never has enough. The grave will never, death is never full, is never satisfied, and so he's comparing it to that. That this is the way this king uh, is moving. He's never satisfied. Now next week, Pastor Aaron is going to continue this with the five woes to the Chaldeans or to the Babylonians here. So, so what? I, I, we've learned, we've read through some scriptures, we've kind of talked about what each of those verses mean, and I always have a big "so what." So, now we get to, so how does that apply to us? What is something that was written that many years ago, how does that affect me today here at this location? So, simply put, the Lord has told Habakkuk three things, wait, be patient, and trust me. The Lord was aware of everything that was taking place. It did not catch him by surprise, and he would deal with it in his own time in his own way. Habakkuk and his fellow believers were simply to wait, be patient, and trust the Lord. As the Lord says, the righteous will live by that faith. So God calls us as His people to live by faith and to trust Him. That's the Lord's answer to our complaints today as well. When we are complaining just as Habakkuk did, how long? Why are you letting this happen? I don't understand. Now, his complaint is really about the evil in the world. All this stuff going on. Why are you letting this happen? And when we're dealing with that as well, we have a lot of different things that we're going to deal with. If they're evil, for most of us, it's going to be more of the personal issues that we're dealing with. How long am I dealing with, again, whatever this is? Um and the lord says to us wait be patient trust me but are we satisfied with that answer it's a, it's hard right to to say to to whatever we're dealing with whatever pressure we're under whatever stress whatever life situation we're in whatever is going on around us to to be able to, to well i'll just i'll sit uh, wait and be patient it's hard right to be able to do that and it's also difficult in the midst of whatever we're dealing with to hear that right no matter what we're going with to have somebody come up and as well meaning as they are to say but just remember the Lord works all things together for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's a truth. But when I'm in the midst of pain, this Aaron may fire me. This may sound like blasphemy. Don't throw a Bible verse at me. (laughs) That sounds kind of weird for a pastor to say that. Be there. Help me to understand. You know, and I think that's one of the reasons that God has given us the church. You're dealing with something right now. I may have already dealt with it, so I can come alongside of you. My first year here, um, I worked with Paul Wharton, and I came on staff, and he was diagnosed with lymphoma cancer. Within a year, he passed away. So I only got to work with him just a little bit. His son, David, was a junior in high school, at Ridgewood High School. They lived right where Pastor Aaron is, is living now, he was in youth group. And I, I tried to get to, to all the kids in youth group and, and take them out to lunch or have a cup of coffee with them. And I remember taking him out, and he's just, his father passed away. And he was just, he was angry. And I said, You know, I'm so sorry that, that, that this is what you're dealing with. And he said, I, I understand what you're going through. And he looked at me with just, I want to say malice in his eyes. He says, no, you don't. And I said, yes, I do. My junior year in college, my father was diagnosed with lymphoma cancer. And it was all like, you, you do get it. Now, when I was walking through it in college, I remember my mom calling me right around Christmas. And she goes, are you done with your finals? Yes. She goes, are you sitting down? Now, she's in New Jersey. I'm in Texas at Baylor. Um, wait for it. We're still waiting for our first win this year. Um, So I'm sitting there, and she goes, you know, your father was just diagnosed with cancer. And I I remember the anger I had and all that stuff, and and moved on, he was was healed, he's cured. um, And thinking, all right, that was, why did God allow that to happen? I believe that God never allows an experience to go to waste in any of our lives. We need to be sure to share whatever we've gone through, because... All right, so that would have been 1980. Yeah, so now we're talking 1997. So you do the math. Is that 17 years? I'm not the numbers guy. Um, Aaron is. Uh, so 17 years later, like, I'm, I'm reminded of what I went through then. But I was able to come alongside and help him to wait, to be patient, and to trust God. Because at one point, I had to. And somebody, I remember at college, somebody was there for me and said, let's go for a ride. We went out to a lake, and um, I was not happy with God. And I let him know I wasn't happy, you know, with what was going on. And this guy just kind of let me vent, and we prayed. And so I was able to do that later. Um, God is allowing us uh, to speak into each other's lives and to be there for them. I think that's... One of the calls of the church. This past summer, I had a, a more recent experience. Uh, down on the mission trip in the DR. And get a call that my wife has an infection. I'm going to do a CAT scan. I get. I still have, I don't know why I kept it. I still have the voicemail from my daughter. She goes, okay, dad, I just want to let you know. So mom, went to the CAT scan. And the doctor didn't tell us what's going on, but said, you need to go to the hospital now. So I'm walking on a field... In Catalina, Dominican Republic, kind of going, uh, and I have kids, I am like, yeah, paint, just paint, you know, go play with the kids, do something. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. I had to understand the wait, be patient, and trust me. You know, through that time, uh, she was admitted to the hospital, and then um, Sue, being Sue Bisworm, um, kind of came alongside, and, and then I was able to, ah, uh, okay, God's provided. And I had suddenly had two sick kids down in the DR I needed to take care of. So God provided for it as I waited and trusted in him. Um, I fully understand, understood what that meant. So in light of God's revelation about how and when he's working, his people are to wait patiently and live by faith, trusting in God. Now, And we, we need to trust God even when we don't understand why events occur as they do. A few weeks ago, you know, when we woke up and found out about Las Vegas, you're kind of like, why? I don't understand this. We need to trust God through that. And we may, I still don't understand why. But, you know, eventually there will be a time When tragedies hit like the the hurricanes in Texas, Florida, and Puerto Rico, I don't understand why, but I need to trust. When we deal with personal issues like infertility, or job loss, or family strife, don't understand why, but we need to trust God through that. No matter where we are in life, we must let God be God. And trust him in all those things. Is it easy? No. It's hard. It's very hard. We need to trust that God is directing all things according to his purposes. Not ours. We need to get off that throne. And worship him. I don't understand God. But you are God. I don't know about you, but again, just trusting on my own is very hard because I am on my own. It may not be easy or wise to strive to do it on our own. I want to affirm the purpose of the church again. We need each other. God gave us the church not only for community, Not only for times of worship where we can lift our voice before Him, but for encouragement, for support. We need each other to lean in. We need to lean into each other and not on our own understanding. That comes by sharing our life experiences with each other, it gets messy. You know, and we, in our grace groups, it gets messy, but I love it. We're there for each other. This is not in my script, by the way. It doesn't say, please bring tears to your eyes. Because I've experienced it. We've experienced it. We've done life together. We've talked about our kids and graduating high school and getting married and having kids and moving on. You're like, oh my gosh, all of life. But we're doing it together. And we can share and look at each other and go, my kids are driving me crazy in this thing. What are you guys doing? And we look at each other and go, no idea, but let's pray. (laughs) Let's link arms together, be confused together. But we need to lean into each other. God doesn't call us to do this life on our own. We need to trust who God is. We need to trust in his perfect plan. We need to trust in his provision, his presence, and his power. So in the good times, trust God. In the bad times, trust God. When the storm hits, trust God. In the midst of the storm, trust God. After the storm, trust God. In all of our seasons of life, we trust him. So whatever season you are in, trust him. He's a good God. He loves you. He desires more and better for you than you can even ask or imagine. He says, I've come to give you life. Live it to the full. Are we living the full life? We need to trust him for it. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for all that you have done as we look even in your word God, the times that you have been there for people, you have provided, you've been faithful. God, in our lives, the times that you have been here, you provided for us, you've been faithful. For those times in the future, God, you will do those things again. Open up our eyes to see you, to trust you. God, that we would live by faith and not by sight. And we as the church would gather around each other, lean into each other, and be that, the church that you desire with you as the head and us as the body. God, we love you and thank you for your word this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.